Today on CityCast Boise, we've been inundated with electoral politics this week, and I need a break. Luckily, I have Idaho Statesman's Rachel Spacek and Idaho Capital Sun's Mia Maldonado with me to break down a couple of stories you might have missed this week. We're talking Meridian's affordable housing and a recent win for tribes in restoring salmon. It's Friday, November 3rd. I'm Blake Hunter in for Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. All right, it's been a hectic week, but I'm so excited to talk to you both today uh, because you are truly two of my favorite local reporters. I haven't told either of you this in person, but like whenever either of you have an article come out, I'm immediately going to click on it. And I'm always learning so much from both of you. So I'm just so happy that you are both here. So thank you for joining us. Of course. Thank you. Uh, Rachel, I'm going to start with you. You wrote an article this week about where Meridian stands with affordable housing. So especially in this year, but just kind of since the start of the COVID pandemic in Boise and around the Treasure Valley, we've seen a rise in evictions and requests for assistance uh, with that. And is that true in Meridian too? What's going on there? Yes. So it is true in Meridian. Um, and, you know, I think in a lot of my stories about Meridian, I, I always kind of mention that I think for a long time, Meridian was kind of just thought of as this Boise suburb with, um, you know, lots of working families who own their homes, like their single family, um, like three bedroom homes, but it's changing a lot. And one of the ways it's changing is there are renters who are struggling to afford um, rentals in the um, in the city, especially with um, housing prices still climbing. So yeah, Jesse Tree, you know, I'm sure Um, listeners know all about Jesse Tree. They have been um, kind of ramping up their assistance to Meridian families. Um, They received this grant from the city of Meridian, and they were only able to help 95 families with um, rental assistance, but they had 422 families apply. So that kind of just shows you how deep the problem is. Yeah, absolutely. So a loan company recently analyzed some rental prices from around the country and found that Meridian found like kind of stood out in some startling ways. What can you tell us about that? Yeah. So um, CashNet USA did a study on, you know, multiple cities across the country. They used data, rental price data from mm-hmm. Zillow and then um, average salary datas from the U.S. Census to kind of determine what, how many available rentals, affordable rentals there are. Um, And they use the formula that your rent or cost of living shouldn't be more than 30% of your income. So using that, yeah, using that statistic, only 17% of Meridian's apartments or, or homes that were available to rent were affordable to the average resident. 17%. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. According to CashNet, um, Meridian ranks 13 in like the lowest percentage of affordable um, rentals. Wow. Which is kind of crazy. I mean, I don't know anyone who's, I don't know, maybe like under the age of 40 who's living in Boise and Meridian where they're, you know, they're spending less than 30% of their income on their housing. Like I, 
kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, you're so right. I remember when I was first moving out of my parents' house, my mom had that statistic in her head of like, okay, you can't spend more than 30%. And for me, I'm just like, okay, as long as it can come out of my paycheck and I can afford like groceries, I think I'm fine. Totally. So yeah, you're definitely right that that, um, yeah, that's just kind of unachievable here. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. And yeah, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on Meridian's housing affordability because as as you said, we kind of think of Meridian as being a lot of a lot of just single family homeowner homeowners. So I'm glad that we're uh, kind of getting a, a better picture of that. All right, let's move on to you, Mia. I'm I, I know a lot of Boise people, and I especially am keeping an eye on uh, the situation of salmon in the Columbia River Basin. And you wrote a story about a big investment that the Upper Columbia River United Tribes received to work on uh, restoration of salmon. How did this how did this get started? Yeah, so in September, the Biden administration announced that it would fund $200 million uh, of salmon restoration research to the Upper Columbia United Tribes, which is a group of tribes that um, kind of relied on the Columbia River before dams. So all of this traces back to 1940 and the construction of Grand Coulee Dam in central Washington. That dam blocked salmon from migrating to the ocean and returning as adults to spawn in their natal streams. The Columbia River used to produce up to 16 million salmon, and in the 1970s, that number was just below 1 million. So there have been efforts to restore those populations, and you know, Idaho and states in the West really pride themselves on being really states with cheap electricity, but all of that... Right comes at the expense of, uh, of tribes that no longer have access to salmon, which played a really important part in their culture and diet. I want to just name the Upper Columbia United Tribes actually formed in 1982, which I didn't know until I read your article, but it's made up of the Coeur d'Alene tribe, the Confederated Tribes of the Colville Reservation, the Kalispell Tribe of Indians, the Kootenai Tribe of Idaho, and the Spokane Tribe of uh, Indians. And so... But I, I think it's really interesting that this plan that they're working on is very different from the premise of removing the four lower Snake River dams that our listeners might be familiar with. We've talked a little bit about before. So what is this specific plan setting out to try to do? Yeah. So unlike breaching the dams, which uh, which means removing a barrier of structures of dams so water can flow through the dams, making it easier for salmon to migrate. This approach is focused on creating fish passages over dams along the Columbia River, so like Grand Coulee Dam and Chief Joseph Dam. Both of those dams are ginormous. They're the top two hydro, right. uh, the top two largest hydropower producers in the United States. So right now there aren't any fish ladders. No fish can make their way up to the dam. Um, all of all of the fish have to make uh, rely on humans to kind of return. Yeah. So um, yeah, right now there aren't any fish passages because it's too tall and it would be too cold for salmon to make their way up this. So this agreement is looking into different ways to make it easier for salmon to migrate. So th- yeah, this plan is a $200 million uh, investment, but it, it's spread out over 20 years. Uh, and yeah. this is just step two of a four-part plan. What, what are the tribes hoping to make happen next? Yeah, so I just want to highlight this plan, the fact that they're only in phase two of this four-step right. plan. This is going to last beyond probably our lifetime and hopefully help new generations 
preserved salmon. So hopefully one day those fish will get over those giant dams. But in phase two, they're going to be working on creating prototypes um, and just researching ways to get fish over the dams over the next 20 years. And then the next two phases will actually kind of make those passages more permanent. I think in Idaho, we hear a lot about the movement to breach the dams and kind of save the salmon. But the tribal perspective on how, you know, these salmon not being able to get over the dams is like impacting their way of life and, you know, their culture. I think that's such an important part of this story. And I'm really glad you wrote about it. Thank you. Yeah. What got you into that? Like, why did you want to take this from this approach? Yeah, so I've been writing a lot about energy policy since I've started at the Capital Sun. And that is just, it's so intertwined with tribal affairs. Like I said earlier, Idaho is one of the cheapest states with hydroelectricity, but that comes at the expense of all Mm -hmm. these tribes and their culture. And so I'm just really fascinated by how tribes have really pushed for things in in the conservation world that other people and and including the federal government haven't been willing to do. Right. So this is a tribal led initiative and it's it's a big win because the federal government is acknowledging the fact that they didn't own up to the treaties that they signed with these tribes and so it's a big win for the tribes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to pivot into uh, election territory. We've been talking about election season a lot on CityCast Boise. I know you two have both been keeping an eye on some local races. Uh, what elections are you are you watching as we head into Tuesday? Rachel, let's start with you. Yeah, I think, um, of course, a lot of us um, who live in Boise are watching the mayor's race. You know, I think it's been really interesting to see how that's played out. But for me, I don't cover city of Boise. I cover um, cities in West Ada. And I'm really interested in the Eagle mayor's race. I don't know if people have been watching any of the coverage of that, but the incumbent mayor is pretty unpopular with, you know, some the annexation of Avamore and some certain things, um, council decisions that he's done. So he's kind of unpopular, um, it seems. Um, and running against him is someone who sits on city council. So there have been some like scuffles between the mayor and this guy running against him. Yeah. And um, and then there are uh, the former mayor, Stan Ridgway, is running. So it's really interesting to see, you know, so many players in this election. And previously, I think there were a lot of contested issues in the mayor's race with Avamore and Eagle. But now kind of there's less attention on it. So, um, yeah, I'm really curious how it will play out. I have to be honest, I have not paid as much attention to it. So who are so this you're kind of characterizing <laughs> yeah. this as like a three person race? Yes. Yeah. So um the incumbent is Jason Pierce. Um running against him on the city council is Brad Pike. And then the former mayor who's also challenging them is Stan Ridgeway. Um so yeah. We'll keep an eye on it. Yeah. I yeah. I know maybe a lot of people aren't paying attention to Eagle, but it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Mia, what about you? What are you watching? The Idaho Capital Sun, we don't cover city elections. We try to cover only state elections. But one local election I am interested in is Meridian. And that's because since the city exceeded 100,000 people, it's now required to elect city council members by district. So I right. think some city council members... Uh, are up against each other. 
but yeah, if you're a Meridian resident, I would definitely keep an eye out on those elections. Since Mia mentioned the 100,000 residents thing, just to add, Nampa mm-hmm. is also voting for the first time in council districts, too. So, um, yeah. yeah, two cities this year have that. Yeah, and Boise is for the first time, yeah. I mean, I've kept an eye on the city council elections, too. Like you said, there's there's a race where two incumbents that have had like a solid solid record uh, are having to run against each other. So that's always going to be interesting. Um, but also, I'm really interested in the mayor's race. So you have the incumbent mayor, uh, Robert Simerson, Simerson, is running, and he's opposed by Mike Hahn, who, uh, if people remember last spring, uh, was one of the leaders of the push to recall uh, all of the board members of the Meridian Library District, which was obviously a very contested affair. Meridian showed out. A lot of residents came out and uh said, hey, we're not interested in doing that. So I'm interested to see whether uh, Han will actually be able to put up a big, big challenge to Simison. I know that a lot of people in Meridian are really coming out and being very vocal, saying Simison has our vote. Okay, very last thing. What are y'all doing this weekend? Any fun weekend plans? It's a little bit rainy. It's a little bit chilly. What's the vibe? Yeah, I can go. So the ski swap is this weekend at Expo Idaho. I used to ski as a kid and I just haven't since I moved to the Treasure Valley and I'm really hoping to check out some gear. And I hear you're taking Evelyn. Is that that true? Yes, my girl is determined to learn how to (laughs) ski so I can definitely give her some lessons pro bono. Gonna find her a rich, rich ski husband. Is that the plan? That's the plan. I also think she just wants to wear like a really bougie ski outfit. Yeah. And that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we won't take videos down the mountain, but the picture's, pictures at the top fine. for sure. Yeah. Cute. Rachel, what about you? I'm envisioning with that, like, you know, those Kardashian episodes <laughs> where they go like to like Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah exactly. <laughs> that's gonna be you guys. Um, I also, I snowboard, so I might check out the ski swap. Um, we'll see, but I'm mostly planning to just cuddle up with some movies and some coffee and just hang out with my dog and chill. Honestly, yeah, Rachel, I'm in the same boat. I don't have a dog or a cat, but last weekend was fun. It was a bit of a Halloween weekend, but uh, it's time to just chill out. So, yeah. Before we go, I want to say, Blake, I love your newsletters. I Aww. always, I always, whenever you like include my stories, like I'm always like, that is so sweet. So I love CityCast newsletters. You should definitely Thank check you. them out, listeners. Make sure to subscribe to the newsletter. It's amazing. Well, thank you both again for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time to come on CityCast, and I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The show is produced by Evelyn Avitia and Grant Irving. I'm Blake Hunter. I write our Hey Boise newsletter with the help of Adrian Gonzalez and Natalia Aldana this week. Our music is by Up Is The Down Is The. If you enjoyed our show today, leave us a review. It helps other people find us. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from around the city. See you later. What about the cat? And the cat, (laughs) obviously. (laughs) I gotta defend Rue. Rue hates you. Why are you defending her? Oh, wow. (laughs) You just broke some news to Mia. She did not know.